I think the funniest thing is after I adopted a dog, I forgot how often I would be meeting strangers and they'd be like, what's your dog's name? And I'd be like, what's oh, Max? And they'd be like, and what's your name? And I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Karen Ho. I'm a business reporter based in New York and Toronto. I'm Gideon Nathan. And I'm Sam Rikulov. And this is Name Dropping. A show about what happens when your first name becomes spiritually tied to the Apple Care Lady. When your middle name is a mispronunciation. And your last name leaves you open to really mean dumpster graffiti. So I figure we'll start at the top. Uh, the top of your name being Karen. How did you like your name growing up? Honestly, my name, it sounds really close to my Chinese name and the way it's pronounced in Cantonese. So it's a fairly common English name. Like, you know, I think it was given to me after its peak of popularity, according to charts about it. But it's, I would say, common enough that you can still find it on keychains at theme parks. And it's easy to spell, you know, like it's the way that I spell my name is the most common spelling. And so for me, what I thought of it as was essentially like an easy way of fitting in. Like I grew up in an area with a huge Chinese population and a huge immigrant kid population, like people from around the world. You know, if you were the white kid, you were the minority. But I never had the feeling of like worrying about someone mispronouncing at least my first name. And I thought that was... Something that I don't know if it was strategic on the part of my parents. They said, you know, your grandfather chose your Chinese name and your English name sounded very close to it. And so it seemed like a no-brainer. Just to give people the full context, uh, what is what is your full Cantonese name? So my Chinese name pronounced in Cantonese is Gawan, and in Mandarin it's pronounced Jiayun. And somebody will probably correct me on my tones because I have a very Canadian accent. But the funny thing is my mother had an emergency C-section. And I think she said from the drugs, she mispronounced phonetically my name on my legal documents. So it's spelled Car Wang with a K and a dash. And so I have the distinct burden of being a person with the words Wang and Ho in their legal name. And, you know, it's easy for little kids to laugh about it, even though those names are incredibly common among Chinese people. I feel like they have to give more of a grace period to the person giving birth <laughs> before they have to decide on the name. Like maybe it's a like, grueling process. Yeah, like an hour or so. Just let them relax for a little bit. Especially when you have to be like put under and like cut open. Yeah. Like it's huge surgery. And my mom was like, uh, the umbilical cord was apparently wrapped around my neck and they were like, oh, we need to take her out like now. Like, yeah. And it became annoying every time on my legal documents when someone would go to through the process of like trying to pronounce my, um, my full name. Do you have siblings with a similar setup of having a given Chinese name and uh, an English name that they go by in Canada? Yeah, I mean, my sister's name is Yvonne and her middle name is Yiwan. And, you know, I think it was... Uh, you know, among my cousins, who I consider almost like my siblings, they also have, you know, a Chinese middle name. And it was, 
at least normalized on my dad's side of, of the family. I don't know about my mm-hmm. cousins on my mom's side. Were you were you ever jealous of your sister having a more like faithful phonetic translation from Cantonese to English? It didn't become a real issue until honestly, like I could, I think every time they did like roll call, you know, like when you can't avoid uh, legal registration. So it's like every university class or like when you register at a walking clinic and they pronounce your full name for some reason. And, you know, sometimes I try to get away with not including it, you know, like on credit cards or like when you register for something online. But at the same time, it's just one of those things where it's like, there are different types of um, annoyances that people can have in their lives. And this is like very low on the scale of of things to be bothered by. And it's it's just like, I've thought about changing it, you know, like if I got married or something, but at the same time, it's just like, it's really not so bad on the grand scheme of things. I could have been named a lot of different worse things. Like like if Barack Obama can get away with his middle name, I think mine is, is pretty low on, on the annoying scale. He's actually coming on the pod uh, right after you, so I'll have a chance to cover that. But as someone who's probably thought about this a lot, how would you define the modern notion of Karen? Kind of the Karen stereotype that that we have now. So right now, it's, as I understand it, it's a descriptor of a very specific kind of white woman and a behavior commonly associated with that is antagonistic and uh, entitled to a certain kind of uh, treatment or behavior on the part of other people, especially when it comes to, um, I would say, customer service complaints or in terms of interactions with people of vulnerable groups, especially like black Americans. And, you know, it uh, it is along the lines of like Backyard Becky, you know, like all these kinds of nicknames for Caucasity is a way to describe it um, in in response to a lot of a growing amount of awareness regarding antagonism between people who are white and everyone else. And I think that is, you know, I think the classic example is what happened to Chris Cooper in Central Park and, and the woman who was also named, uh, who had the last name Cooper and what happened? Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper right? Yeah. I hated that she was Canadian, but, you know, like the (laughs) fact that she had essentially called the police on him for her rule-breaking behavior in having a dog off leash and him being an active birder telling her that she had to put her dog back on its leash, you know, for the safety of the birds and, you know, like other park goers in that area of Central Park. Uh, definitely a canonical Karen moment. My mind goes straight to the Apple Care lady, but yeah, I feel like that was that was like the Ur Karen, the platonic form of Karen. Yeah. So I think the Apple Care lady. What was it? It was the video of her showing up at the store and essentially yeah. yelling at like full volume. I think she even had a stroller, right? In terms of like... Yeah. yeah. She was using the stroller as like emphasis for every word she was doing. So she would like hit the stroller <laughs> and everybody was just staring at her silently. <laughs> so the ironic thing about that is like for most of my life, I was basically taught like don't bother other people, you know? Mm. And that has its own challenges like in the modern corporate workplace, you know, in terms of uh, speaking up about 
issues or communication with people you're working with and in or communicating like when you are overwhelmed and stuff like that. But at least on a cultural basis, you know, I was brought up with like, try not to bother other people, you know, like don't be demanding. If you don't like something like a restaurant, you just never go back. And so I would joke with people that I was like, I am the last person who would complain to the manager. Like I'd rather be hit by like a car sometimes than, than be like, I don't want to bother people. You know, I, I try to go out of my way to be having worked in retail banking. Like I try to be the person that someone in service would look forward to having. And so at one point I was actually worried that it was making me even more meek acting um, and that uh, I would be taken advantage of as a result. Like, like, a, like a cashier actually said, like, you're being singled out because you come across as meek, which is an ironic thing, like living in New York, because a lot of people come off as tough out of necessity. And, and whereas I am just trying to get on with my day and, you know, not call attention to myself. Which is, like I said, incredibly ironic because I work in media and, you know, I am on Twitter and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, So it's just like one of those things where fundamentally, like I understand it's out of my control, but um, I'm not kidding when I say like I, I took a lift one time to the airport and the driver was like, I saw your name flash and I was worried for a second that you were going to be a Karen. <laughs> we were going to ask some form of this where, yeah. was there ever a scenario where you were, you were like totally justified in lodging a polite complaint? Like you actually had like the wrong food order or something like that. And were you just like, it's better to just leave this as is rather than bring it up? Or have you brought it up and it like was resolved totally normally? So the exact example was, I'm not kidding, I was at Trader Joe's, the one in Brooklyn on Atlantic, and I was buying groceries and someone two aisles over asked me to pay for something in her cart. And I, and I was like, what? Like, I'm just here. Like, I just want to pay for my stuff and like, you know, like fill out my bag, free bag raffle or whatever, and then get on my way. And she kept pressing me and the cashier had to be like, you can say no, like, you don't have to do this. And the person asking for me to pay for their item was like, this is none of your business. Like, I'm asking this person to pay for my stuff. And I was just like, I froze. I didn't know what to do or say. And so a bunch of managers, literally Trader Joe's managers swooped in and was like, is this woman bothering you? Like, are you okay? And then the cashier started to be like, you can say no, like you don't have to, you, have, you don't have to tolerate this kind of behavior. And then I went up to the little area where all the managers were clustered. And I was like, I just need you to know, like, my name is Karen and I'm an Asian person. And the last thing I want to do is complain. But I do want to say that that cashier was really helpful and that, um, that I appreciate that, that you interjected and checked if I was okay and everything. And it was one of those situations where I was like, it felt really surreal because, like I said, like I have been hesitant to complain even when I had reasons to, you know, like when um, 
like a service provider has canceled an appointment like very last minute or something. And I feel like the ironic thing about having my name and dealing with uh, an upbringing that taught me not to expect, you know, a lot or, you know, like, like basically my dad was like, if you got in a car accident, I'd be like, why weren't you driving more aggressively or defensively? He, he was always like figuring out a way to blame me for something, even for situations out of my control. And so the I- idea now of having a name where it's like that is associated with like entitlement or a specific level of treatment is is paradoxical in a way that I can't really explain. And yet I have had people tell me, you don't have to worry because the way that you act even online or in person is totally contradictory to what we think of as a, a Karen stereotype. Like you come across as someone who, who you know, is actively kind and uh, empathetic. And I was like, thank you for recognizing that because it's like a daily choice. It's a series of choices every day um, when I wish I could sometimes be griftier or have (laughs) crappier morals, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it sounds like fear of falling into the Karen stereotype has, you know, prevented you from making a totally justified complaint once in a while. That Trader Joe's scene is... It's pretty wild. That's surreal. That, like, I think you called it surreal. It is surreal. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, something from Louis. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but has, has your mom ever become aware of the modern Karen stereotype? Uh, does she watch videos of Karens? Is she proud that you do not become a Karen? Have you become a Karen? I think I asked her once about it, but I mean, like, my mom is so not an online person. Thank God. Like, she and my sister hate Twitter. Like, they're always trying to be like, we would like you to be on Twitter less. Um, and, you know, my mother... Good, good healthy people. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, very thrilled that I got a dog and was immediately on social media less. But, like, my mom is smart like she went to university for economics and graduated and worked in government and did all those things but i think when we when it comes to like memes or internet culture like she's a chinese canadian woman in her early 70s like there is a lot that she can comfortably opt out of i think my sister is much more aware of it but the thing about it is there isn't a sense of her I don't think regretting it because it like how could you have predicted that's like trying to like foresee the future like 30 years after she picked my name the hope for me is like many things that the Karen thing will become a face and everyone will move on to some other meme like I have a I have two friends named Elon and they're just like <laughs> you want to think of a name that has been ruined Karen like you know tell us about it and actually the ironic thing is Karen is my legal name. You know, it's on all of my bylines. It's, uh, you know, I I have to track it for immigration purposes. But the thing about it is, at least the people that are important to me or even the, you know, everybody in this conversation knows I am, I'm not the kind of person that people think of when they think of Karen as a stereotype or, or or a meme or an idea. If anything, I'm more associated with like doom scrolling reminder lady and fundamentally, the thing that I, when when this conversation kinds of come, like comes up, 
there are so many worse things to be known for, which is just like you have an unfortunate name that you don't embody and you're associated with like popularizing a term to describe everybody like constantly glued to their phones during the pandemic. I also think you're definitely in a better boat than your friends named Elon because we may reach the post-Karen era sooner than we're rid of that dude. That might be like under 300, 400 years. But just looking at your byline, um, use a K as your middle initial. So I was hoping you could walk us through your middle name, where it came from, and what it means. So I think my grandfather gave it to me. And when it came to putting the K in my name, first of all, like at one point I, I just looked on Facebook and there were 500 people named Karen Ho. And I, I could do a similar search on LinkedIn. And, and being in media, you need to have something distinctive. And I saw somebody, uh, there was a writer in Toronto that had a name, Graham F. Scott. And I said, oh, how did you do that? And he was like, there was another person named Graham in my class. And I, so I just wanted to distinguish myself. And so I said, okay, I'm going to be Karen K. Ho. And so... I remember when people would ask me what it stood for and I was just like, you don't need to know. <laughs> like it's like I was worried about first people making fun of my middle name and going through that explanation I told you about, about the the phonetic misspelling and the different pronunciations. And you probably don't, some people didn't even know what Cantonese was, right? They were just like, do you speak Chinese? And I was like, probably not the dialect that you're thinking of. And having to go through all that geopolitical explanation. It's just sometimes it didn't feel worth it. Hi, this is Maymay Sparks, and I'm a Defector subscriber. I originally became an accomplice because it was the closest I might ever get to being transgressive in my life. But I stay because I believe in supporting great writing, which is what you get from Defector. Plus, they're constantly adding new voices to their rosters and features all the time. If you want to support Defector and get your first month for 99 cents, go to defector.com slash name dropping. You mentioned in the article you wrote about your middle name, that there were, I believe, seven Karen Hoes registered at, was it your university and four at your climbing gym? <laughs> Have you ever, were you like friendly with any other Karen Hoes or any other Karens? Have you ever commiserated with any of them, shared stories? So I went to an AAJA, like an Asian American Journalism Association conference, and I roomed with another Karen. And I know uh, Karen Howe at the MIT Tech Review. And, um, and you know, our name only has one letter difference in the last name. And so they wrote a bio for her for an event that she was speaking at, and they pulled the wrong information from different Karen, Karen Hose or Karen House. And one of them was about me. And so I was like, oh, I think this is like, I flagged it to her. But um, yeah, I know several East Asian Karens who are also reporters. And then... Ironically, so I have my cousin Derek married a woman named Karen Howe. So technically in our family alone, she is Karen Ho number two legally. And and I thought that was that was funny, right? Like her original name, she just took off one letter off her last name. Um, but, you know, I think 
we text these comments to each other. And I, I, I think especially when the the meme first came about. But like I said, I think it's like there are so many other more important issues, like for better, or for worse, like on immigration issues. Like I think a lot about as a non-American, like I'm not entitled to vote or, you know, I'm really concerned about uh, what's going on in regards to abortion rights. And it's completely out of my control. And and so the, the saddest part is when it comes to like the emotional energy about my name is it just feels like in the mix of a lot of different things that are really overwhelming right now, if that makes sense. To go back to something you said before about the combination of your middle name and last name, um, were there any specific tricky moments in your childhood or, or later on dealing with classmates? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> this is some light trauma. But, like, I've literally had my name spray-painted on a dumpster. It's like, I had a... a uh, I had a school bully in elementary school who was uh, South Asian, and he put Karen the Ho on the school dumpster. And so it was actually my last name that was more of an issue of contention than my first name. Um, and, you know, like, Ho, there are millions of people, especially when it's spelled like He, like H-E, like it's an incredibly common Chinese name. So I think it's always about like, <laughs> and I always remind people, I was like, there are far worse, like, English or European last names than like my name. There's Butts and Wiener, like all sorts of like ridiculous names are just people want something to take attention off themselves or um, as a point of there. There's no shortage of opportunities to be mean about something, you know, like uh, whether if, if it was my name, it would be like my appearance or the fact that I have like really large feet or, you know, like I just feel like my name is an easy thing because it's like written everywhere and it would be easy for me to be bitter and reflect that outward rather than just be like, I'm going to actively choose to be the opposite of that. Have you ever had a time where you, not just where you wished you had a different name, I guess, but like kind of imagined what it would be like if you had a different name? Like for example, my parents told me, allegedly that the choice for my name was between Samer and Dean, D-E-A-N. I've always, like, there have been times where I've kind of thought, like, what would my life have been? How much time would I have saved spelling my name if I was just named Dean? I obviously would not be doing this podcast now, but... It has only become a, a thing, like, in the last two years. Like, the thing about it is, like, I'm really proud of the fact that I feel really closely connected to my Chinese culture and specifically like the culture of where my parents grew up in Hong Kong, like specific Cantonese things like Hong Kong cinema or like, you know, like uh, egg tarts and like Cantonese food and music, you know, the Kento pop from the 90s and like, like that stuff. I feel, you know, I went to Chinese school and I learned how to speak Cantonese and I've I've worked in jobs where I spoke Cantonese on a regular basis. When it comes to like thinking about changing my name, I think it would have been very different if I had not grown up, I'm not kidding, in a suburb of Toronto that had the highest concentration of like Cantonese speaking expats in Canada. And so like I could go to the grocery store and the bank and like literally a mall and everyone there was expected to speak or understand Cantonese. 
So then by the time I went to the Hong Kong for the first time, I was like, they were like, isn't it better? And I was like, no, I can go home and eat all of this stuff. Like, it's fine. Like, and so the thing about it is I realize that's like enormously privileged because oftentimes, especially when I moved to the U.S. or I got involved in AAJA, I heard from all these other Asian Americans that they were like, I was the only white person in my neighborhood in like Richmond, Virginia or in Minnesota and had all sorts of awkward questions and stuff. And it's not that I didn't experience some of that in adulthood, but at least as a kid, I didn't like secretly wish because like Karen is a pretty white name, right? Like as a kid, I, like if I was named Gawan as my first name and I was like constantly having to teach people how to say it pro- properly with the right tones, it, it was just Karen, right? Like, t- like a white teacher never had a problem with that. I think it was just about when you ask me about like wishing for a different name, like I was jealous of people who could have nicknames, like you can't make my last name into a nickname. Like I've met lots of white people who go by their last name as a nickname. And my first name, the only one I've heard is like Care Bear or like Keho. And I'm just like, no, like it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you're on a sports team or something like that, or you're with a bunch of friends, of course I wanted a nickname, you know, as something that would signal belonging. But so here's something that's really funny is my boyfriend's sister is also named Karen. And when we see each other, like whenever she's really stressed out, especially like like I saw her for Thanksgiving, like whenever we're hanging together and she has two young kids under 11, I can just see it on her face. And I'm like, I love you, Karen. Like I say it as emphatically as possible. And she's like, I love you too. And in that moment, I don't think, I never think about the stigma associated with Arnie. I just think about, like, I'm telling her that she's not alone and that I care a lot about her and I see how hard she's working to try to be a good mom or manage the chaos of, like, her elderly parents. And that's it. I, I appreciate that care and solidarity you practice with yeah. your boyfriend sister. Mutual Karen Appreciation Club. Yeah. It's just like Karens are my friends. Like Karens are like literally people I'm related to. Karens are people I look out for. You know, I think I've joked about it with other people on the phone. Like when I interview, you know, like being a reporter, I talk to different people all the time. I think the funniest thing is after I adopted a dog, I forgot how often I would be meeting strangers and they'd be like, what's your dog's name? And I'd be like, what's Max? And they'd be like, and what's your name? And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I wish, like, I don't even know why I preemptively do it. But like, especially with other non-white people, I'm just like, <laughs> And they're like, what? And I'm like, it's Karen. And they're like, oh, that's really funny. And I was like, I know. Uh, with the caveat that obviously naming a dog is different than naming a child, did you name Max Max or was that a shelter name that you liked or what was the process for that? So Max was a rehome. He is a very fancy breed called a cockapoo, which is a cocker spaniel poodle mix. And I had no idea about the world of expensive designer dogs from breeders, but his previous owner didn't have enough time or energy to take care of him properly. And so 
we adopted him at the beginning of August, and I wanted to name him Muffin because he has a very curly mop of head on top of his hair. And my boyfriend was like, "Hard pass. Like, I really don't want to name our dog Muffin." And I was like, "Fine, I will concede." But jokes on him because I am clearly Max's favorite. Like, when I go home, he loves me more. Uh, <laughs> it's very obvious. Everyone's like, "Max is your dog," but it is very funny. It's just like the goofiest name to yell, like in the street. And to your question, like my, I have a friend who's a comedian. His name is Josh Gondelman, and he told he tells this great joke about like renaming his dog um, named Busy. And he's like, you know, like I cannot believe we just did that in the middle of our life, like. Like that, we could just be like, "Hey, your name is busy now, and you're going to respond to it in like three days." Um, <laughs> All right, now we're going to play a a rapid fire game, where we're going to give you different scenarios. They're going to be highly specific, and then you tell us how you would introduce yourself in that scenario and why you would introduce yourself that way. So the first one would be at a job interview. Hi, my name is Karen Ho, and I'm a reporter that specializes in business, culture, and media. So, how come you took out the K that time, even though it's in your byline? Sometimes it's simplicity. It depends on the situation.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's also about gauging whether or not they'll ask questions. And then, like when I've done print interviews, I specify that it's for to make it easier to search and to avoid confusion. But usually, if I'm sitting across from someone, even on a video context, I don't feel it's really that important to include.、Uh, okay, let's say you're at a loud wedding and talking to a bunch of strangers. It depends on how drunk they are. I'd be like, "Hey, I'm Karen. How the heck do you know these people? Like, are you also friends with the bride or the groom? Are you a plus one?、Uh, like, why do you think the DJ is playing so much Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? Like, is it a throwback to when we were all like?" Not thinking about having kids—that's weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're drowning out the Karen, the name Karen, in like <laughs> several layers. Just moving quickly、talking. past it. Yeah. yeah, very strategic. What if you were introducing yourself to a group of teens in a public place, and these teens possibly had phones? And I don't know how. How would you? Yeah, I guess that's the. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the. Please best elaborate、way. on the teens. What kind of teens are we talking? About? Yeah, I guess we. I'm trying to think of like a good specific scenario with where you'd come into teens with skateboards. Yeah, you, you got to introduce yourself to them for some reason. So, the most common way I encounter teens is teens who want to pet my dog, and I see them just、mm-hmm. be like, oh, and I'm like, do you want to pet my dog? And they're like, oh, and then they usually ask like the name of. Um, the dog, and then when it comes to a volunteer teaching group, like I actually encounter a lot of college students because I do class talks, and then they're already familiar my, with my name because they've read a bunch of my articles. But I always say, you know, hi, my name is Karen. You know, I'm a reporter based in New York City, and I've worked in a variety of different outlets covering lots of different things. And I'm here to chat with you about usually it's about like pitching or freelancing or how to incorporate, you know. A large number of different interests into business reporting in the way that I have, and make it accessible to、uh, and relevant to a, to a young group of people in a way that they might not think it is. I was like, you know, the clothes that you're wearing, 
the food that you're buying, you know, what you and your friends are interested in getting for Christmas. Those are all like business stories. And so I'm interested in hearing from you about like what you think is really important and how money factors into that. That's usually when I'm talking to like young people under 25. So another case of uh, cushioning the Karen with a lot of uh, expository detail. Yeah, more professional. Yeah, more professional. Expository detail. What if you're talking to a source for an article, someone you just called up on the phone? Oh, then yeah. Like even today, I was, I'll usually make a joke. Like I was speaking to someone and I'll be like, I'm sorry, you know, like I'm from Toronto. They were from another part of uh, the province and everyone <laughs> in Canada hates people from Toronto. And they were like, that's okay. Like I forgive you or something funny like that. Um, I think it's always about what other parts of my identity or my background are the bridge to connecting to them. Because I think what I learned from working as a bank teller is you're basically establishing trust into like why it's worth their time to chat with me, regardless of what my first name is. Were there any particular scenarios that we didn't ask you about that were memorable to you? I feel like we've gone over a few different ones over the course organically. I always think it's really neat that it's like, I have booked some really big orders at like a Chinatown bakery. And so they've asked for my last name and I feel really proud that I can have like the whole conversation in Cantonese. Like that is the only community where it's like my name has no stigma, right? Because it's like, I'm among other people who are like, of course that's your name. And then I think it's also among when I have been with not just like my first and last name, but when I have been, among other journalists of color, especially other Asian journalists, there's this feeling of like, like the joke is no one asks where are you really from? And and like that, like people come off as more relaxed automatically as soon as like they like step in the convention center or in the hotel. And you can sort of feel that. Like I remember uh, taking a group photo with like other Karens, like before the pandemic, but I look forward to the day where I see, like, not just other Karens, but other people who, like I said, have have experienced the kind of stigma regarding their name or their identity and this feeling of otherness and where we can be in a space where it's just, like, feel like ourselves and not have to defend or feel like we have to change anything to feel accepted. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. For coming on. Uh, where can people find you? I am uh, on this horrible garbage website called twitter.com. You can find me there at Karen, K-H-O. Also, my display name is currently White Guy Confidence Sustainably. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for listening to Name Dropping. You can email us at namedropping at defector.com. This podcast was produced by Alex Sujong Laughlin. Thanks to Projects Editor Justin Ellis and Editor-in-Chief Tom Lay and the rest of the Defector staff. Defector Media is a collectively owned, subscriber-based media company. If you love this podcast and want to support us, subscribe to Defector at Defector.com.